Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this March the 20th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and this is a Friday where we take a look at emails sent to us. Uh, Today we have an email entitled, Pursue Holiness Even When It's Unpopular. So what is this talking about? Well, if you read the Bible at all, you see the significance of the Lord's holiness when his creatures encounter him and the reverence and awe his holiness produces. We also have seen why his holiness has this effect upon us because God is incomparable in his holiness, incorruptibly pure in his holiness, and holy in all his infinite perfection. God's holiness has a certain and inevitable impact when he interacts with sinful people. God's holiness results in his wrath on unrepentant sinners, but then they come to him in their sins. However, God's holiness does not always end in wrath upon sinners because God, by his holy love, send his perfect son to die on the cross and bear the sins of all who would put their faith in him. So this is kind of the work of John the Baptist, where he shows you, yes, you are a sinner. And he points out areas in which you have sinned. Yet, as you repent of that sin and you come to realize that you need a Savior, John the Baptist even says, Jesus is the one who has come to take away the sins of the world. Now, when we as Christians consider God's holiness, we might ask, what comes next now that I have been received by God in Christ because of God's holy grace? Did you hear that? We're not received by God in Christ because of my holy works, because prior to faith, my works are always sinful. Only in faith do they have the motivation of love for Jesus Christ. As people who love Christ, we ought to be holy and pursue holiness, and we all need help with that pursuit. Hebrews 12 gives us a clear outline and concise summary of how to pursue holiness as a believer. 
First, we must set aside hindrances. Well, we know two things that cause hindrance to our pursuit of holiness by faith. First is encumbrances, which are things that are unnecessary or that get in the way of running the race of faith so that we are pursuing holiness. We must set aside the things that drain our time, our focus, our energy, and our attention away from what God has called us to do. How can you tell what those hindrances are? Those hindrances take place when you get angry or upset over something trivial in the world, like not having enough money, not having beautiful houses or nice cars, or perhaps even a good family. And you begin to think about those, you can have trouble falling asleep at night. That is a hindrance to your holiness. A second hindrance, besides those things that are happening in your life, of course, is sin. This warning should be obvious because people can't pursue holiness and hang on to sin. The problem is, though, that sin is so easily entangling us, which is extremely difficult to understand and accept at a practical level for many Christians. We must not compromise for sin. We must not make excuses for sin. And yet we often do. Every time I was a kid and I would sin and my parents would find out about it, what would I do? I would blame my brothers for the sin. I would say it was their fault. We must not blame others for our sin. We must not justify our sin by saying, see, here's the reason why I sinned. And it makes sense to me, but instead we must lay aside all our sins to run the race of faith and pursue holiness in our lives. So how else do we do that? Number one, we set aside hindrances. Number two, we repent of our sin. And number three, we must stay focused on Christ. I can't tell you how many times I was worried about something, and then when I look back at my life, I see that Jesus took care of that worry. He pursued 
holiness in my life and my worry was over because of his promises. So this is what we mean by saying focused on Christ. It's really crucial because it's too easy for us to become focused on all the hindrances we just set aside. We can become consumed with all the sins we battle, the temptations we face, the weights we carry, and all the impediments on the track. Our race becomes impossible to run when we try to employ our own power and ability rather than by faith believe in the power of Christ in our lives. Instead, we are to keep our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We come to realize that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. The writer of Hebrews exhorts us to run the race of faith with our focus kept on Christ because he alone gives and sustains our faith until it reaches its goal of total and perfect holiness in glory with him. And that's talking about the day of judgment. Until that day, we never reach total holiness because of our old Adam often puts hindrances in our way. Christ is our greatest resource we have in this race because of our trust in his promises. Finally, to pursue holiness, we must submit to divine discipline. Now, the word discipline is close to the word disciple, but it's how we are becoming disciples of Christ by looking to him for our holiness. Now, no one likes discipline because sometimes it's hard and painful. Discipline from God stretches, challenges, and corrects us. Yet, even though we chaff against discipline in our human flesh, we must submit to God's discipline if we want to be doing holy good works. God's disciples and his discipline isn't merely correction for some sin present in our lives, but it's anything God brings into our lives to push us toward holiness and greater trust and obedience to his word. Trials are used by God in this way. How many times have you had a difficulty or a tribulation or suffering 
and they are all designed employed by God to refine your faith and strengthen your character so that you might share in his holiness. We therefore, in his holiness, strive for peace. Sanctification, or pursuing holiness, is not meant to be something that we do in isolation. Our growth in holiness is directly impacted by our relationship with other people, including not only believers, but unbelievers, to be patient with them and to be at peace with them, we can go as far as to say that if we are not seeking peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we are failing to pursue holiness as God has commanded in his word. Disunity or bitterness are sins that so easily entangle us and must be put off if we are to run unhindered and unencumbered. The constant context of these verses is for all believers, that is, all those in the church, that is who a believer is. A believer through faith in Christ becomes a member of the church, whether or not they have agreed to do so, because the church is much bigger than any single denomination. It includes every person who has faith in Jesus Christ. All those in the church, not all people in the world, many times, pursuing holiness will put us at odds with the world and seeking peace with the ungodly at the same time we strive for holiness can be impossible because many times the ungodly don't want peace with us. They love to hate us because in our holiness, in our actions, in our beliefs, we embarrass the unbelievers. We embarrass them because they don't want to believe what we believe. And this is really interesting that they come to a position where they say, I don't believe there is a God and I hate him. Isn't that something to think about. They hate that in which they believe does not exist. It's like hating Santa Claus. Who hates Santa Claus? No, Santa Claus is loved by little children. And when they find out he's not real, they don't go into great deception and commit suicide or anything like that. 
while we should not provoke unnecessary controversy or conflict with unbelievers, expanding all of our energy to try to make peace with those who are not at peace with God, that can be a futile error. Even Jesus had that problem. Remember, his name was Judas. He went and betrayed the Lord and then committed suicide. So the context of Hebrews is the community of believers. And we are to be at peace with fellow Christians. That's part of our holiness. So we strive for holiness. That's the life of sanctification. And why do we strive for it? Do we strive for it in order to get to heaven? No. We strive for being holy because we know we're on the way to heaven. We've already run the race. Or I should say, Christ has run the race for us and then gives us the crown of victory. And when we understand how much he's done for us, we want to pursue holiness out of love for Jesus. So, we mean to pursue holiness like running a race. We should be people intent on being holy because God is holy. That should be our goal. That should be our joy. That should be our privilege to reflect the character of the Trinity, the Holy God. Striving for holiness is not salvation by works because these works flow out of the heart of a person who is already saved by grace through faith. However, if such people are not pursuing holiness, then they prove that they may not be saints. Those who are not holy will not see the Lord on the day of judgment. The reason for their lack of holiness is that they really don't believe the promises of Christ and their profession of faith is illegitimate. As 1 John 3 verse 3 reminds us, if we really love the promise of Christ's coming, then we will long for and pursue holiness. Now today, among many people, it's not popular to pursue holiness. In fact, they often have the sentiment that we should only pursue holiness to a certain degree. Or there's the idea that we will become holy through our works without any effort required. Some fear 
that if we become holy, it will turn the world away from Christ because of its disdain for holiness. But those who pursue holiness are criticized, often as being hypocrites, because ungodly people equate a love for obedience to God's word with legalism and hypocrisy. As one philosopher said, I love the Christ of the Bible. I don't like the Christians who attempt to follow him. That's because we often fail in our holiness. That doesn't mean that we are a Christ, that we are not Christians. It means that we have a problem in staying sinless because sin often infects our works of holiness. We are called to pursue holiness, the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And that holiness is to abide by his promises and his will in scripture. That is both the law and the gospel. This doesn't happen by accident because no one becomes holy without disciplining themselves for the purpose of godliness. God is holy, 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 referring to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in Christ, we have been declared a saint, even though we don't act as a saint. In the reading from Matthew from last week, it says that God dresses us in the garments of salvation. Remember, that man was invited to the wedding feast, and when he got there, God asked him, where is your wedding garment? And he was speechless. He was speechless because he didn't know what God was talking about, namely the faith resulting in holiness. So he was thrown out of the wedding. When did you receive this wedding garment? Or do you not receive it until the day of judgment? Well, that passage from Matthew was very clear that you received that wedding garment when you were baptized and came to faith. Yes, God dressed you in the wedding garment. Why? Because the marriage feast set by the king was for his son. The king was God the Father, his son was Jesus Christ. And all those who have faith in Jesus' promises are saved, regardless of their sinful life. Because when they sin, they repent of that sin and therefore seek 
the glory of God. We have been made saints, and that is a task that Jesus has done. You may not be aware that you're wearing the wedding garment, but God is, because he can read your heart and knows whether you have faith or not. And so do not fear the day of judgment, because that will not be a day of testing you, but it will be a day of giving you the evidence that you are of faith and have the glory of God because you will be dressed in a wedding garment. If Jesus is the groom, who's the bride? The bride are the people of God. And you become Jesus' bride, not when you do glorious good works, but when you repent of your sins and trust in his promises. We ask that God grant you the grace to pursue holiness by faith and that you would be holy as our Lord is holy. Reminding us of the Ephesians passage, we're saved by grace, through faith, not on account of our works, lest anyone should boast. So you do not boast of being holy. You instead are thankful that you have been made to be holy. And that occurred when you came to faith in Jesus Christ and received the gift of his holiness so you can be at peace with others and disturbances will not ruin your relationship with God. So, being holy, that's the life of sanctification. And we ask you to continue to pursue it as God so requests. Be with us Monday for more law and gospel teaching. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.